Welcome back to Meant to Be. I'm Julia, the founder of Ment Projects, a mentorship business rooted in innovation and collaboration. Meant to Be is a podcast series that features professionals from various industries and highlights the diverse opportunities that these fields have to offer. In our conversations, we break down each step of our guests' academic and career journey from high school all the way to their current role. We look at the different challenges and decisions they faced that contributed to their growth and shows how their career is meant to be. In today's season finale episode, we are joined by pediatric dentist, Dr. Nick Sharma. Nick received his DMD, Doctor of Medicine and Dentistry, from McGill University in Montreal. He completed his general residency at the Montreal Children's Hospital, then specialized in pediatric dentistry by completing the pediatric residency program at the University of Rochester in New York. Following his residency, Nick worked as a pediatric dentist and assistant director of the Department of Dentistry at Montreal Children's Hospital. Currently, Nick is a part owner of a clinic and works as a clinical director and pediatric dentist. In this conversation, Nick shares so much valuable information on the path to becoming a dentist and the various career opportunities within dentistry. He talks about how he entered dental school in an untraditional way as he did not complete an undergraduate degree. And he tells us about the diverse roles he held as a dentist that allows him to exercise many different skills. So now telling us how his career is meant to be, it is Dr. Nick Sharma. Welcome, Nick, to the podcast. How are you feeling? Thank you for having me. I feel great. Well, I'm really excited to have you on because there's so many people out there who have this like big goal of being a doctor or a dentist, whether it's like a medical doctor or a dentist like you. And I know that so many people have so many questions about it. So I'm so excited to get into it with you and hear all about your experiences. My first question for you is what did you want to be when you grew up and what kinds of things interested you when you were younger? Perfect. I guess I'll start from way, way back elementary school. Uh, I wanted to be a teacher. I absolutely loved working with kids or being around kids, I guess, at that point. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to become a teacher for sure. And then as I kind of got a little bit of experience with kids, I'm like, nope, definitely this is the career I want. Started talking to my parents. Came from an Indian family. So obviously the first thing they said is, no, 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 you're good at school. You should be a doctor. So then I started thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to be a doctor, I still want to do work with kids, so I uh, thought of a pediatrician. Okay. That was the initial goal. Okay. So then as you were going through high school, were you just thinking of ways to get you into a med school program eventually? Yeah, exactly. So the point, I guess, like right off the bat was, okay, to become a doctor and then eventually into pediatrics. So I wasn't thinking too much of pediatrics right off the bat, but definitely getting into a medical school, a medical program was the goal all throughout high school. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to touch on how you just mentioned the kind of background and family that you come from, the words of, you know, being a doctor or yeah. maybe even being a lawyer. Yeah. And I think in general, people always just throw out those two yep. careers. Does that ever put a pressure on you? Did you ever feel like you weren't able to explore 
other passions within yourself or did you feel like you were able to merge everything by like you said you knew you wanted to work with kids so you can kind of find like this happy medium yeah I think growing up you have a lot of passions and you want to kind of do a little bit of everything um I think my original passion I would say was to be an actor um actor slash dancer um I used to dance since I was young so I thought you know what entertainment would be my field However, hearing doctor, doctor, doctor throughout most of my high school years, I kind of just said, you know what? No, those are probably just hobbies. Mm -hmm. And the career-wise, I'm going to be going towards a medical career. So yes, 101%, I think, hearing it around your family, hearing it around your family, friends, your social circles, everyone becoming a doctor around me, I was kind of like, oh, that's just what I have to do. So Mm -hmm. let's just start studying and let's start getting those grades. And on the side, I could continue my dancing, continue my sports, continuing, you know, working with kids. But the focus was to do uh, medical school. And have you been able to still bring in those hobbies then and passions? Yeah, I think they stayed all throughout uh, my youth. And then obviously once school got tough, career got tough, that's when I started like dropping those things first. Mm. Uh, but still a part of my life, uh, still something I, I, you know, try to find the opportunity to do as much as possible, at least dancing and, and sports and uh uh, you know, working with kids outside of dentistry is mm-hmm. always going to be a passion and always something I'm going to continue to add to my life. Nice. So when you were getting ready for university, what programs were you looking at? What university options did you have for yourself? And then what did you end up choosing? Okay, so it's a little crazy because I'm from Montreal. So it's completely different in terms of high school, college, university. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got something called SEGEP, which is right after grade 11. So we have high school, grade 7 to grade 11. And then um, we go straight into SEGEP and then that's about a two-year program in a field of your choice. So it could be commerce, it could be um, arts and social, and it could be sciences. I obviously chose sciences. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know I wanted a career in healthcare. I just didn't know where and what specifically. And then after that two-year program, I applied straight into pre-dentistry, which is something that, once again, is present in Quebec. And uh, I got in. And once I got into that, I never did an undergrad. So I do not have a university undergrad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, So I was interested in hearing about that because my understanding of dentistry schools, I usually hear people do their bachelor's in whatever, really, science, liberal arts, whatever they do. And because dentistry can even be an afterthought, can be something that they think of later on. But essentially, they go to dentistry school after their bachelor's. Exactly. But with you, you went to dentistry school right away. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to hear about how that works. Like you're talking about how in Quebec it's different. So yeah, how does that work in terms of like not having a bachelor's? So there's two ways of of going through dental school in Montreal or in Quebec. Um, You either finish that two-year stage that I was talking about and then apply into a pre-dentistry program, uh, which is total five years in length so you do one year pre-dentistry and four years of normal dental school that's all across North America Mm -hmm. Um, to get into that pre-dentistry program they have about 200 applicants about 70 to 100 interviews back in my time at least and 10 people get in Okay, I was going to say it so must they be narrow competitive. It down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they make it really competitive. It's a lot based on grades to get an interview. And then after that, it's all personality. Um, so once you get in to those 10 people, you do a one-year program, just you 10 people, mm-hmm. um, with the med schools, obviously, at McGill. That's where I went. And uh, then after that, you do a four-year program with other people that have done the undergrad, done their bachelor's, oh. got into dental school. So they do a four-year program. I do a five-year, but... We blend in at the, after that one year mark. I understand. Okay. 
Wait, so I also didn't even ask about how did you end up choosing dentistry yeah. because you were thinking <laughs> just medicine and then how did dentistry come about? I was waiting for that question. Yeah. <laughs> okay, perfect. So throughout all of high school was all about being a pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Um, so medical field and either a family doctor or a pediatrician, but I would see a lot more kids is what my goal was. And I think right after I finished high school, I did that two years of Sage Up where you start really building your CV up. So I did a lot of volunteer work. I did a lot of, uh, you know, just activities related to the medical field. And I started volunteering at the hospital, medical clinics, walk-in clinics, and I realized that's not the life for me. Mm. And I got completely, um, I wouldn't say turned off, but completely kind of discouraged about why, you know, I was going into that career and what I felt while I was in those environments. And I'm like, I don't know if this is what I want. I do want to provide healthcare. I do want to take care of people um, medically, but just maybe not in that environment. So I started thinking of other ideas. I used to have braces then, so I went to my orthodontist, asked him if I could shadow there, Mm -hmm. saw the lifestyle, saw the nine to five schedules, saw the lack of super unhealthy patients, and it kind of made me feel, okay, I think I can do this. You still have that clinic lifestyle. You're still technically a doctor, but for the mouth. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'll go against anyone that says we're not doctors, but but that's that's pretty much what made me kind of say, okay, well, I think I could do this. So I applied into both medicine and dentistry at that point, not knowing which would be the better career for me. And I think that's why having that undergrad does help people, um, you know, make that decision. They are mm. older than I was. I was 19 when making that decision, whereas someone who's doing their undergrad is about 22, 23. So uh, a lot, a lot of pressure on me. And uh, I looked down and, and chose dentistry when it came down to choosing lifestyle after mm-hmm. my interviews and uh haven't looked back so so far I'm happy with my career choice nice well yeah you're not the first person who said oh I did some volunteering and shadowing and whether it be undergrad or high school and it was not for me being a doctor in that lifestyle I do think medical doctors are great at what they do but it's not for everyone so you really gotta love it if you want to so can you tell us about the actual dental program that you ended up doing at McGill in terms of the courses that you had to take the lifestyle of it and also even the university too because you're our first mcgill alum on the podcast perfect i love mcgill by the way uh, <laughs> no i love montreal and i think mcgill just being a good university with a good reputation back then you know it was the right choice uh okay so going into the program i so i'll tell you about my program which what the five-year program that i talked about mm-hmm. and then i'll kind of touch up on four-year program because that's what i think most people will be interested in. so five-year first year was literally i was with pre-medical school students and pre-dental school students so we were about 100 people we got really close it was nice you do your you know basic science courses you take some electives and you really have one year of university life so this is your first time in such a big school in such a big university and it's exciting you know you you have fun you're downtown montreal like you're enjoying yourself but there are some requirements you have to get certain grades in order to move into that four-year program so it's not a hundred percent guaranteed you still gotta get those pre-requirements pre um you know i guess level grades in order to make it to that four-year program now once you get into that four-year program that's where i get joined by all these individuals that have done undergrads or you know have taken time off school and then apply to dentistry so we had literally a range of people from 25 26 all the way until 36 um and that's majority of them and then there's like the few nine or ten of us that are like little toddlers 20 years old you know going into dental school and having these responsibilities but you all kind of blend in um the four-year program is great you start at mcgill you do um one and a half year of basis of medicine so you study with the medical students you learn medicine all aspects of medicine i learned about the kidneys the liver the heart 
things that I didn't think I was going to see for the rest of my life, but does obviously help knowing that information now. Um, and then after that one and a half year, you do about two and a half years of strictly dental, um, which is, you know, you're in the, uh, practical labs, you're doing plastic teeth, you're, you're training in on patients. You just do a blend of things strictly related to dentistry. You do that for two and a half years. You do a lot of clinical work. You see a lot of patients, mm. um, while you have classes, you have patients, classes, patients throughout your day. And then you're done in four years for those that do an undergrad. And for me, it was after five years that I mm-hmm. graduated from dental school. I also wanted to ask because that pre-dentistry, that one year was so competitive in terms of only 10 people get selected. Yeah. How did you make yourself a standout candidate? Do you have any advice? 100% I have advice. So first and foremost, things have changed. I did this uh, just to give you guys an idea of time. 14, 15 years ago. So it's Mm -hmm. been a long time. Things have changed. Interview processes have changed. So obviously stay up to date with the current interview process. But um, grades are the most important thing to just even get an interview. So build your CV up, get good grades, add a lot of extracurricular activities, um, do a lot of, you know, things that interest you. Show yourself as an all-rounder rather than just school. Um, So that was one thing that I was told and given as advice. So I did that throughout you know, college, Cégep um, in Quebec mm-hmm. and high school. And then uh, the other thing was just honestly passion. I was able to really convey my passion of healthcare, not maybe specifically to dentistry at that point, but healthcare and children. Um, and I kind of just built on that. I was on the wait list, so I did not get into mm-hmm. those first 10 positions. I was number 14 or 15. And people just happened to drop out either because they applied to both medicine and dentistry because a lot of those applicants did that just like myself and I uh, just waited about a month after the deadline and I got a phone call and I was accepted so I think grades play a role personality plays a role and then I got lucky that those four other people dropped out yeah and well yeah like you said you were doing those volunteer positions yeah. and stuff too so Through showing that yeah. you're more than just the grades and yeah. stuff you have to be yeah even yeah. till this day you have to be even in your interviews the interview style is different now it's more like scenario based so they'll put you in certain scenarios to act out they have actors they literally mm. put you in a room you act that scenario out they want to see certain personality traits they want yeah. their doctors and dentists to have certain personality traits so those scenarios are based and built around those traits and a lot of it has to do with like conflict resolution too yes. or at least an example because yep. i have a friend who is applying to a grad program she actually just got in so congratulations to her but yeah she went through a similar interview process where she had to talk about like just got thrown a random conflict resolution type of thing yep and that's exactly that's one of the scenarios yeah could you talk about the advantages and disadvantages that you feel as you did this without an undergrad you kind of mentioned like if you were a bit older you might have had more time to make certain decisions and feel a bit more comfortable with them I'm also assuming the advantage is that you are kind of shaving off like four years or so but is there anything else that if people are kind of weighing those decisions how they can feel what decision is best suited for them yeah, I think uh, the only advantage I could think of, I was 24 when I was a dentist compared mm-hmm. to some of my classmates that were 28, 29, older. Um, so definitely, you know, that age idea and time, like you said, shaving off is probably the only advantage I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, I also didn't really, f- I couldn't think of an undergrad that I would be as interested in. So I think that's one small little advantage that I didn't do something that maybe I 
didn't really care for. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, those years are experience. Those ex- years are maturity. Those years are kind of like solidifying your decision of your future career. Mm-hmm. So definitely, I think, you know, if you're doing an undergrad and then going into dental school, don't think of it as time wasted because that's going to add up and it's going to bring qualities that you want as a dentist, but also that you want in your life before making that commitment to a future career. Yeah, I completely agree. Everybody's path is different. Yeah. So as you were finishing the dental program, then afterwards you had to complete a residency. Yeah, so in dental school, I mean, in the career of dentistry, you don't have to complete a oh, residency. Okay. So some people, they graduate after the four-year program and they become a dentist right away. They mm-hmm. either go work at a clinic, open up their own clinic, or join like a family member who's a dentist, something like that, where mm-hmm. you work in the clinic right away. Mm-hmm. Um, at McGill, they, they push really hard for a residency program just because they want you to be more experienced, more confident, uh, more knowledgeable before you start, you know, really in the private practice set, uh, sector of life. Um, for us, it was very, very pushed back then. So we, we all kind of, I think we were 30 students in total in my class in 2012 and 29 of us did a residency one went straight into practice Mm. so I did a one-year training program so a lot of us will do general dentistry so they'll literally just learn about all procedures but now you're somewhat I would say semi-private practice semi-educational whereas in dental school it's all educational Um, so you learn a little bit of the business you learn a little bit about what it's like having a clinic flow Um, I did that for one year at a pediatric hospital. So I still was kind of directing myself towards kids, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't a specialty. So I wasn't going to graduate as a pediatric dentist. I was just going to graduate as a general dentist. So I did that for one year. Um, Amazing, amazing experience. I felt like my confidence level exponentially increased. I was comfortable with a lot of procedures that coming out of dental school I wasn't. Um, and I think that's super important as a dentist providing healthcare and private practice that mm. you have that confidence and you have that skill set. I saw a lot of emergencies that I think maybe I haven't seen since. So I'm glad I got to see them at least once or twice in my career. And uh, after that, it solidified my decision of being a pediatric dentist. So I went ahead and did a two-year pediatric program after that. Well, I didn't really know if dentistry had different streams and specializations just because my only interaction with a dentist is a general dentist. What kind of other specialties and options do people usually have? Yeah, so I guess I'll just start by explaining what a general dentist is. A general dentist is you graduated from dental school. You could do a general practice residency, which is one year of, again, general dentistry where you learn all the procedures under the umbrella and you can go practice as a general dentist. Now, a general dentist can do crowns, can do root canals, can do braces, can do Invisalign, can do pediatrics. They can do anything they want. However, their skill set is not as, I would say, not as well trained, perhaps, as a pediatric dentist. It doesn't mean they're not better than us. They could actually be better than us at certain things, but they're not held as accountable as a pediatric dentist doing Mm -hmm. pediatrics would. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times, a general dentist will try if it gets becomes a complicated case they'll say we'll refer to the specialist so other specialties include orthodontics so if you are seeing a case for braces your general dentist could technically put braces on but may choose not to so they'll refer them out to an orthodontist mm-hmm. um, if you want a root canal some of the general dentists will feel comfortable doing root canals as soon as it starts getting a little bit more complex more advanced they'll refer it out same thing with an oral surgeon oral surgeon extracts teeth you know does surgeries this is maybe out of the comfort zone of the general dentist we'll refer it out to an oral surgeon you have a gum and bone specialist which is a periodontist you have the obvious uh, one right here pediatrics if you're Mm -hmm. not comfortable treating kids but you can treat kids you just 
choose maybe to refer these ones out. Oh, okay. I see. Just growing up, how did you know that you love working with kids and you're good with kids? I mean, I think you can understand for yourself like, okay, I enjoy this or I don't enjoy it. But sometimes you don't fully understand what working with kids means, right? Like you might get into a career position and it might be different than obviously how it was when you were younger. So what was that connection for you? What did that look like for you? So all, yeah, you're right, 100%. Doing dentistry on kids is not at all how I imagined (laughs) working with kids would be. Um, I love working with kids or being around kids in general. Dentistry sometimes could be challenging on kids, so we'll get into that later. But um, I think growing up, I just, I saw myself as just happier around children and and I worked as a you know day camp counselor tutor um, special needs swim instructor whatever it may be it was always just it felt like you know it felt like okay cool I leave the the job place or wherever I worked or volunteered and I felt like oh my god I'm on top of the world like I'm so cool they love me you know like it just brings that positivity that happiness that joy now during while you're going through it it might be like oh this is frustrating oh my god i gotta be so patient so i think it just built this quality of patience in me when it comes to children i may not have the same patience with adults and grown-ups but with children it's just innate like i'm able to tolerate a lot more and as i grew up i'm like oh i'm really good at tolerating kids or dealing with kids and i think that's where i come from saying i'm good with kids yeah um and then i put in more effort, you know, making children laugh or making children feel comfortable. I feel like that challenge is nice to overcome. Uh, and that's why I enjoy working with kids or doing anything with kids because to gain their trust, it's challenging. But once you get it, you have that unconditional trust and love and, and care, right? Yeah. So it feels nice to get that. Yeah. And then also in all these different positions that you had, like tutor, swim instructor, yeah. you probably also learned the strategies on how yes. to communicate with them because yeah. there's different strategies to communicate with children versus adults. And sometimes the strategies with adults don't always work very no. well. No. Yeah. I think strategies you use with children can work with adults and elderly, but the other way around, it can't. It's just a special set of yeah. communication. Yeah. Okay. So when you decided that a career as a pediatric dentist was the best option or the best choice for you did you have to then do the residency in pediatric dentistry like how does that work then when you choose a stream because everything prior was more for general do you then have to do a residency in that specialization so if you want to work with kids it's different than if you want to be a specialist for kids. So if you, let's say, want to work with kids, you can work with kids as a general dentist. So I have friends that are general right. dentists that still see children. Um, they have a certain skill set that they're willing to use on a daily basis, and they have limitations. They have boundaries. Um, when it comes to me, I kind of wanted to be known as a specialist. It also means I don't have to see adults. Um, so mm. I... Ch- we don't welcome adults in our office, you know, <laughs> as patients. Um, obviously, if you have a 19, 20-year-old patient with special needs, we still see them. Yeah. Uh, it's just healthy adult can be out in the you know world with a general dentist. So if you want to be a specialist, you want to get the skill set of a specialist, you want to be identified as a specialist, you want to bill as a specialist, uh, you want the job opportunities of a specialist, then you got to go through specialty school, whichever okay. whichever stream you choose. Okay. And then so you ended up going to the University of Rochester, which yeah. is in New York. Can you tell us how you ended up there and how that experience was for you? Yeah. So I always, uh, I guess like without knowing it, I always wanted differences, change. I wanted something new. I don't want to just do the same type of schooling, same type of city, same type of uh, whether it's work, workout, whatever you want to call it. Just everything has to be something progressively growing. 
and I had applied to a bunch of Canadian programs for my first residency, which was that general residency, and I chose Montreal, and I'm like, okay, well, this is my comfort zone. I born and raised in Montreal, lived my whole life. I need to get out of my comfort zone. But not only that, I just felt the um, techniques and technology and procedures and all that in, across Canada at that time were a little behind the Americans. So mm. I said, you know what, I'm going to learn a lot of new stuff if I go to the States. Even if I decide to come back, I'm going to be able to use those tools, which maybe I wouldn't learn by being in Canada. And, and a lot of the thing is when you start getting comfortable in your field, you don't try new things. You just do the same five procedures over and over and you're kind of like, I'm okay with this, it's working. Whereas going out, I thought, and I, I do agree with that, it happened. I learned new things and I was able to bring those back. I felt more confident about those things that maybe I wouldn't have learned by doing programs in Canada. So mm -hmm. I asked around, I found a mentor that went through the same program and returned to Montreal and she directed me towards that and I went to Rochester, New York, small town, yep. Nice. Did you work in a hospital there? Is residency always in a hospital? No. So it doesn't have to be in a hospital. They have this kind of clinic associated with a hospital. So okay. they can always, you see a bit of both. You see like that private practice style of life. Mm -hmm. uh, in the States, they have a lot of those programs. So that's one of the other reasons why I wanted to go to the States was I wanted to get closer and closer to private practice mm -hmm. uh, instead of just being in a hospital hospital because yeah. hospital patients are different private practice patients are different and I wanted to be well equipped for when I'm ready to go into private practice mm -hmm. so I chose a program that had both and yeah Rochester had an association affiliation with a hospital a very very popular hospital in New York and gave me access to the hospital but also gave me the skills I need for private practice. Mm -hmm. Are you able to specify and give kind of more of a clearer picture in specifically what you were learning in that program that's different than like the general residency? Yeah. So if you do a general adult residency, you're going to do all kinds of patients. You're going to see some kids, some adults, you're going to see some elderly. So you're going to do procedures like root canals, um, dentures, you're going to do uh, some braces, you're going to do some pediatric stuff. But when I went into my two-year uh, program in Rochester, I saw just kids. So I saw mm -hmm. everything related to kids, which means um, I saw I was on call at the hospital, so I would see injuries, falls, tumbles, infections, um, you know, Injuries that I, I don't think I've ever seen again, you know, hit by a car, uh, mm. got a rock thrown at their face, baseball bat to the face, like all types of stuff that I don't think you see a lot with adult patients um, in a general residency. Plus the general residency is always kind of a subcategory to a residency, a specialty residency. So if I'm in a pediatric residency and there is another residency coexisting in my hospital or my university, I'll get the more difficult cases. Mm. Whereas the general residency will get the more basic cases. Mm -hmm. Not to say they're easier, but they're just not as skilled requiring. Mm -hmm. And then do you perform surgeries on them? Like in those cases when they're coming in? Yeah, so pediatrics is a little bit different than um, surgeries we see like for gum grafts, wisdom teeth extractions, bone grafts. These are all real surgeries, I call them. Mm -hmm. um, what I do is mostly, I do still do surgeries, we call them where the child is under general anesthesia, so they're asleep. Yeah. And once they're asleep, I can either, yeah, exactly, fix their broken teeth, fix their cavities, pull okay. teeth. I still do the treatments that you would normally do at a dental clinic, mm -hmm. but you do them under general anesthesia. Okay. Kids, yeah. Okay. And so then when you completed your pediatric residency, what were your plans for your post-residency? Uh, okay, so... I had no idea. Um, I finished in Rochester, New York, and I was offered a job in New York. Um, family was in Montreal. I didn't know what to do. Um, in dentistry, you have different, I guess, paths of career. You can do either completely private practice. 
You can either do hospital dentistry, you can either do academics, or you can do a combination of any of those three. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew academics is a lot for when you're later in your career. So where you decide to like take a day off and you kind of just go in and teach, you mm -hmm. know. Um, so I wasn't sure about that. And then I knew I liked the hospital dentistry, but I had some exposure for the last three years. So I'm kind of like, okay, maybe private practice is the way to go. Obviously, I'm going to be completely honest, financially, private practice is the best option. Mm -hmm. So definitely wanted that as part of my career. I was finally ready to work and make real money, not, uh, you know, McDonald's employee type of money mm -hmm. when my residency. So mm -hmm. I was kind of ready to pay off my debt, you know, and get and get started. And uh, so I chose to go back to Montreal. Mm -hmm. So what I was offered in Rochester was a academic position. And what I was offered in Montreal was a private practice. However, I kind of wanted a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. So I came back to Montreal. I went to my old hospital just to visit, you know, McGill University residency program that I graduated from uh, two years prior. And I was just talking to them and they're like, we're looking for a director of the residency program. So I said, what does that consist of? Mm -hmm. You know, And they said you would do about three days a week of hospital and academic dentistry. And then the other two days you can go out and do whatever you want. So I spoke to my private clinic that I was kind of in talks with and I said, I'll give you two to three days a week. The other two to three days, I'm going to be at the hospital teaching and working in the operating room on call, emergency, all that stuff. And they said, yeah, sure, that works. So I literally got all three within nice. my one week. Yeah, yeah it just wow. happened to work out. And so I did, yeah, hospital dentistry. I taught, I led a direct, uh, a residency program as a director. I worked with McGill. I worked with Montreal Children's Hospital. And uh, yeah, I got to do private practice as well. And then you mentioned before how academic usually comes in later in your yeah. career as maybe you're more experienced. Yeah. But then did you feel like because it was still fairly early in your career, like your first year in the industry yeah. as a full on professional, yeah. did you feel that confidence and did you feel that you had the experience you needed? I had no choice to fake it. Till I made it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, at tw I was 27 when I took up that position, probably the only person I know under 30 to take that position. Mm -hmm. So I first year out of residency specialty, I come back and I'm now teaching new graduates. So these students or trainees are three years younger than me and they just graduated from dental school i graduated from dental school three years prior so mm -hmm. it's not even that far right so yeah. no i just yeah i i had to eventually gain the confidence i had to uh, make sure that okay i learned these skills i may not have the experience i have the knowledge mm -hmm. so i just gotta give them the knowledge uh, we obviously had other instructors there as well with a lot more experience than me uh, so i never overstepped my boundaries but at the same time I was the director so I did have to make decisions based on my knowledge rather than my experience mm -hmm. as years pass the experience and the knowledge kind of accumulated and yeah. I just had to put in more work and the people who are employing you they see that in you so I'm wondering if you have advice for how you can portray yourself as that kind of strong candidate and how people are able to connect that and really put their trust in you to be honest, I wish I asked them why me, uh, yeah. but I never got to ask. <laughs> so I'll, I'll try to make up this answer as best as I can. Um, honestly, applying for it or asking for this position, I just thought I, I've always been good academically. My grades, my I did both board exams for the States as well as for Canada. So I knew I was board certified in both countries. My, you know, my results were, were impressive. Um, so I knew on paper I was good. Mm. Uh, in terms of experience, no, I didn't have that. But I was there two years prior where they taught me, they saw me, they trained me. So a lot of them were exposed to, I guess, my personality, my skills, and there was no red flags, mm -hmm. hopefully. And two years of knowledge and experience and learning and being in the States 
I think just encourage them more like this is this is going to be a good fit and we'll find out very soon. I was always an organized individual so I think they saw that as well because as a director it's not only just about teaching or, or um, doing the dentistry it's also about organizing and putting everything together and being a leader. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they saw something. They saw the potential. I think I did well. Uh, they were sad when I left you know the hospital to come to Toronto and uh, yeah I think I think they made the right decision but yeah well you definitely you must have been making such a great impact on each of the positions that you were in for them to want you to take on all these roles i'm wondering then how you transitioned out of that position because you were there for like you said a few years what was your thought process at that point in your career oh that this is where it gets difficult so i didn't know uh what was next uh like i said earlier i just want to keep growing and keep doing better and keep wanting change and uh, you know it doesn't have to be a hundred percent change but something new to the picture and uh, when I was in Montreal I was thinking okay so I do academics I do hospital and I work at a private practice my only other thing I can do for growth is opening my own clinic that's the only piece to the puzzle that's left and then I'm kind of I've done everything in dentistry um, except research but I, I just couldn't see myself opening my own clinic I think that again for me comes with lifestyle and I've always wanted that work-life balance with life being higher on that balance, so not really a balance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like if I do hospital, I do uh, open my own clinic, I'm going to be seven days a week. Um, there's going to be no time off when you own your own clinic, at least in the beginning. So I just didn't see the life in, in opening my own clinic. So when I decided to kind of look for opportunities, I started thinking, okay, well, right now I work five days a week. How can I cut this down? and not be financially impacted or not financially significantly impacted. Mm -hmm. So I started kind of looking into Ontario a little bit and I worked in Cornwall, Ontario. So right near Montreal Mm -hmm. uh, for a while, for like a year or two, just to kind of test the waters and see what's out in Ontario. And I was able to um, financially do better in Ontario than in Montreal. Uh, which allowed me to reduce my schedule from five days to four days a mm. week and, and take that extra day for myself for you know doctor's appointments, errands, whatever it is, or just personal growth or educational growth, doing courses and stuff like that. So um, that was a nice little taste of you know having that life balance being a little bit higher than the work balance. And uh, one thing led to another. I started talking to another dentist that works out in Toronto and um, you know we kind of started discussing opportunities and they said, why not you just come do four days of private practice with us and I said uh, okay that sounds kind of exciting but I love my academic position I was very proud of my position so I think that was the harder part it wasn't one thing was I love the environment I love the team but it was also the pride and you know being 28 29 30 and then growing in this position and kind of being like okay I'm the director of the hospital department you know it just again sounds nice looks good on paper but uh, it started getting to the point where I was like, I'm not making a change. I'm not able mm. to rebuild this program. I'm not able to grow this program. And maybe that was my impatience where I'm like, you know what, I've been here for five years and, and not a lot of things were improved by me. You know, maybe I'm being hard on myself, but at the same time, I'm like, I got to make this better. And I started kind of looking at other opportunities for that reason as well. Okay. So a combination of, you know, wanting to do more and have more of an impact plus having that work-life balance. Yeah. So... Let's to Toronto. Yeah. 
And when you were the director of the department and you're talking about how you felt like you weren't making enough of a change that you wanted to, was there just like political limitations yes. on you? Yeah. 100%. So, I mean, it's not even limitations. It's just everything takes longer. And there's so an many academic. rules. Yeah. That's so it. many people have to sign off on yep. things. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you could be the director and want to change 10 things. I changed maybe two things over four years, you know, and it felt mm. like kind of discouraging. Um, and maybe it's just because everyone's comfortable with how things are running. There's nothing wrong with it. It's working. Yeah. If, you know, don't, don't fix it if it's not broken. Right. So I just felt like, no, 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 it's, there's broken, you know, like I, I want to fix it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't have the political power or, you know, the patience to kind of say, okay, give this another five years and maybe we'll be able to fix one more thing. Mm-hmm. You know? so. Yeah. Cause the difference that you wanted to make, you could be doing it in other positions yes. too. Right. Were you, are you talking about differences in terms of like the education system yeah. and yeah. working training with system, education, organization, getting right. more out of that program, that mm-hmm. residency program as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you have moved to Toronto in this part of your career. Yeah. Did you start with working in just a clinic, a private practice, or were you contemplating opening your own private practice? So when I was in Montreal, there was no plans of moving to Toronto. It was just about how can I make it better in Montreal? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about opening my own clinic. I was thinking about, you know, traveling back and forth to Cornwall and just kind of keep doing that drive. And there was no intentions of moving to Toronto. It just happened to be on discussion. So I was visiting Toronto and I met the owner of my current clinics um, and I spoke to him and he said oh we have an opportunity for part-time full-time what would you like I said I kind of want to just fly in do you know some specialized procedures and then fly back out so Mm. it was a very temporary like part-time as needed type of position or idea in my head I'm like you know what the financial situation in Ontario is better for pediatric dentistry just specifically pediatric dentistry than in Quebec um, for various reasons political reasons whatever you want to call them and uh, I just thought adding that to my mixed pot will compensate for the disadvantages financially in Quebec. Mm -hmm. So I was just thinking fly out once a month, do a couple of days of surgeries and specialized procedures and fly back. So when I mentioned that, they said, yeah, sure, we could do that. So I said, perfect, dream come true. This is easy. This is no brainer. I go back and they reach out to me and they say, well, what would it take for you to come full time? I said, no, there's not even a plan. Like, I just settled down in Montreal. You know, I'm setting my life up here. No, I'm good. Um, They just said, you know, is there something that would entice you to move to Toronto? And I said, sure. I just threw out a random fact. I said, I would want to work three days a week. Um, The other two days, I want to either teach or, you know, maybe run a clinic, do some admin stuff, management stuff. And they said, you know what? because of your background in teaching and training and educating, we do need someone in our offices. So I work for a group of seven offices and there's a lot of dentists and there's a lot of new dentists, new graduates. So they wanted standardization. They Mm -hmm. wanted someone to be there to just make sure that proper care is being provided and the same care is being provided in our Mm -hmm. offices. So they said, sure, do three days a week in clinic and two days you help us run the clinics. Would that make you want to move to Toronto? And I said, ooh, this is starting to sound nice, nice now. So I'm like, you know what? I did want to get out of the clinics a little bit more and and I'll get into that in a little bit. But anyways, yeah, so that offer was made to me and I said, you know what? I get to teach and train. Sure, it's not at a university level. It's not in a director position. Plus, I learned the business of dentistry, which I think is exciting as well. And I get to still practice with the kids. So it just sounded like a good combination where three days I'm physically going into the clinic, two days I'm attending meetings admin stuff work from home which as a dentist 
does not even sound like an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, so having to, you know, having that opportunity on the table did seem very attractive. And once again, going back to the idea, you know, I got to do academics, I got to do hospital, I got to do private clinic. Now I get to do work from home, admin, management, social mm-hmm. media, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. So it seemed like another feature just excited my dental career. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I decided to to take that job offer and kind of leave everything in Montreal for obviously career growth, financial growth, but at the same time also that excitement of doing something different in dentistry and having an impact. Yeah, and how did you get connected to this clinic? Like being a dentist is networking a big yeah. thing and Huge. where do you get that networking? Is it just online? Are there conferences? Yeah, so there's a lot of conferences. There's a lot of just reaching out, um, looking for opportunities. Now with mm-hmm. social media, there's Facebook groups, Instagram pages, just don't be afraid to reach out everyone's always trying to be a mentor i'll tell you that so Mm -hmm. anyone starting out new is kind of scared to ask for a mentor no everyone on the other end also wants to be a mentor it's a good feeling to teach someone like going back to the the that self-worth that you get is is an amazing feeling at least for me um and so definitely that's the way you got to get out there i happen to just have it was just through people, so connections. And so is this the clinic that you're still at right yeah. now? Okay. Yeah. You're also part owner of the clinic. Yeah. When they were giving you all of these managerial responsibilities yeah. and oversight, they were offering you the position of being a part owner as Not well? Right or? Okay, yeah. so that came later. Initially, it was just to move there to move here, sorry, to work and uh, help run the clinics. Mm-hmm. And I was just, you know, given a, given a salary for the working part of the clinics running the clinic sorry and then I was making my own earnings through the procedures that I do right. so it's kind of like a combination of an employee and self-employed yeah okay and then how did the transition to part owner come about um honestly I when I realized that I wanted to be in Toronto long term that's mm-hmm. when I started had to think again that brain goes off and it's like I'm like how do I grow how do I how do I make this a future plan how do I you know change it up a little bit and especially now that I'm starting to think about staying in Toronto do I want to open my own clinic again the thought of opening up my own clinic because that is literally on everyone's mind the minute you think about growth in the dental career Mm. I just figured out another way to grow in the dental career so I was like you know what what if I don't open my own clinic but I become a partner into a clinic that Mm -hmm. I'm already working at Mm -hmm. so I mean a lot of us do that but it just happened to be a little idea of discussion and yes it was on the table initially when I first took the offer but I wasn't even thinking about it I was Mm -hmm. literally just coming to test a big move to test but yes it was definitely a test to see if I even like living here and working here and and with this you know group of clinics or will I have to just start from scratch again there's so many interesting things that you're saying like even the parts of advocating for yourself for what is important to you and what you want to prioritize with the work-life balance and I feel like not a lot of people are able to do that either because their industry doesn't offer it or just because they don't feel like they're in an environment where they can ask for that but they could always try right so I am just interested in hearing about your approaches to that, how you feel like you're able to advocate for yourself where you are able to be listened to and heard and it's able to be received and where you're able to probably pivot it in a way where it benefits all parties too. Uh, Amazing question. And I wanted to actually hit this on this podcast. So anyone listening to going into a dental career, dentistry is not easy. Okay. It's super stressful. A lot of us are going through that same stress but we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're either scared to seem like, oh my God, I'm a chicken. Why am I like talking about my stress and my emotions? I should just go to work and go home, right? And initially that's what I did too. 
pediatric dentistry is super stressful. So if dentistry is stressful, I'd say pediatric dentistry is one level above, at least in my eyes. Uh, it's super stressful. You're working with kids. You don't know how that child will behave. This is someone's child, so you have the parental stress as well. Uh, so there is a lot of pressure, and that's why a lot of general dentists don't want to treat kids to that level mm -hmm. because of the higher level of stress. Uh, for me, doing that for five days a week would be physical and mental burnout. So physically, my neck, my back, mentally, uh, just talking a lot, anxiety, stress, I had it all um, in the first four or five years of my career. And a lot of dentists have it, a lot of pediatric dentists have it, but nobody talks about it. So when I would go to these conferences and reunions, no one would say anything. And I'm like, man, I'm the only one that's dealing with this? Like, this is bad. Like, it's a me problem, you know? Mm. It's not a career problem. It's not a pediatric problem. It's not a dental problem. It's a me problem. I gotta just figure out how to cope with it. Um, so I started like, you know, doing therapy, I started working out, I started finding escapes rather than finding a solution. Mm -hmm. And for me, the solution was, again, work-life balance. I'm not happy enjoying life if work is still stressing me out when I'm out enjoying life. Mm -hmm. So I started figuring out ways to kind of cut down the stress. And that's where the idea of working fewer days would be physically better for my back for long-term and then for mentally burnout. So I decided to talk out loud about okay this is not something i want to do five days a week for the next 30 years mm -hmm. and that's where opportunities started coming up and that's where i was offered okay well how about you start with three days a week in the clinic so physically you're better mentally you're better and then the other two days you do things that you enjoy i enjoyed social media okay go market us on social media mm -hmm. so you have to speak up a lot of people just continue dealing with it because they think that's just something that's part of the career and part of the field but like you said you you have to get what you want and if peace and mental well-being is your priority as well as physical well-being then you gotta do it. you can't just accept it and go for physiotherapy and a massage you know, yeah later on in the week and then the things that you're doing on the other two days too it is work that benefits yeah. the clinic benefits the patients and 100%. everything all around you can do that and you have so much value to yeah. offer for that too because of the knowledge it's almost better that the dentist is doing the social media side of it because yeah. you want like quality information being put out there yeah. so I guess in that way, that's where it's like really showing how it benefits all parties because in those two days where you're not doing the physical dentistry labor, you're still doing things that benefit the dental yeah. community and then also allow you to explore your creativities because you're doing these other skills of yeah. the management and social media and all that, which is what I wanted to talk about too, being a part owner and being more than just having to do the dentistry roles because I'm sure there's a lot of operations, finances, yeah. marketing. What is that part like and and how do you navigate that? It's so hard. I still <laughs> struggle every every day. Um, being in the clinic is one thing and just going to the clinic, seeing your patients, turning off your mind to expenses, staff management, political issues, legal issues, ethical issues, whatever it may be. Um, is it's fine you just go you work you know and and yes it has its stress it has its you know physical and and mental bearings but at the end of the day you don't have to think about all those other things so me when i go into work not only am i thinking about patient care in the back of my head i'm also thinking the business side of it so being a partner does make you turn that part on and uh, to be honest it's it's not bad if your heart's in the right place and your focus is to provide you know good quality care as your number one priority the business stuff falls into number two, which is fine. You still need to have a business to survive. Mm -hmm. um, you still need to have a clinic running. You still need to have staff. You just put them on the back burner and you still deal with them. 
again, like I said, I'm still learning and that's why I never opened my own clinic because I realized I am not made for being strictly business. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. why I like having this combination where I have someone who's a partner who knows the business really well. I'm able to learn off, I'm able to participate and I bring the clinical component, I bring the you know interacting and dealing with people component to his business mind. Mm-hmm. You've done such a good job at balancing things. Like at each stage of your career when you were balancing the education, the private practice, the, yeah. the hospital, and then now you're doing such a good job of balancing like the business side, being a dentist. And it's interesting how you were able to recognize that you didn't want to go as a full-time owner for something yeah. and allow yourself to have that kind of support system. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I mean by like, you're really listening to yourself and giving yourself time to explore, to figure out what's working for you. Cause what works for someone else might not work for you. And you're like giving yourself that time. The biggest um, challenge for people to do that is the importance of finance. So when you're making money five days a week, obviously it's going to be larger than if you cut down to four days a week. Mm-hmm. my only thing is is time is money so on that fifth day what am i doing right am i okay with having a little less earnings to live a life that makes me happy that makes me mentally happy and i'm ready to work those four days to my hundred percent potential right mm-hmm. and also how many years am i going to do this for i think everyone thinks the short-term game let me work six days a week there's a lot of dentists that work six days a week don't get to see their family don't get to see yeah sure mm-hmm. you're making a lot more money than i am that's fine but over the course of your life I hope they get to do the things they want. I hope they get to pursue the hobbies they want, um, spend time with their family, but also do it for a long period of time, Mm -hmm. right? I think, knock on wood, I can probably do this for three days a week for more years than I could have done it if I was working five days a week. Yeah, you're diversifying your skills, so you're giving yourself more options in the future too, right? Which then can bring in more financial opportunities, more professional opportunities, which I did want to mention how you recently branched out to your social media channels. You're active on TikTok. You're active on Instagram. I've been watching your posts and your reels and your videos. And I can see your purpose in it to basically educate people on oral health. And I wanted to hear about what made you get interested in social media and making these platforms and kind of what's your goal and and interest with this? Um, I think it all starts from when I see my patients uh, and I see their parents and I see these young kids with, you know, rotten teeth, in pain, infected at the age of two, three years old, which is literally like such a small period of life that they've lived. And when I tell the parents that, hey, this is not what they should be eating, it, I get that blank stare. I get that lack of knowledge, lack of confusion. and I mean, sorry, lack of education and that confused face. And I think it's not their fault. You know, I went to school for this. That's why I know this. But if mm. I was to ask my mom or my friends or my super educated medical school friends, you know, I, I would get the same confused look. Um, it's because you haven't learned it. So my goal was, okay, well, I'm going to, feed that information as much as possible. I'm going to put it in your face on social media. Um, You know, TikTok has a lot of young parents uh, that may not necessarily have that experience or knowledge. And then same thing with social media through Instagram and podcasts and whatever it it takes to get that information out there as much as possible. Um, It also is a hobby and just creativity, right? Like I like, you know, having fun and we make TikToks at our clinic. We make, you know, uh, videos educational videos in the clinic as well so it's just 
I get to go home, edit them, put some nice music, it makes them fun. People compliment them or people comment, I learned so much. You know, it's it's just a good feeling that it's having some positive effect. Um, again, right now, no, uh, no uh, real goal with it, no financial goal with it at least. It's more just to get that education out there. Yeah. It's just another way of educating my parents and patients. Yeah, which is amazing because early in your career, you probably didn't even think that social media would be a channel for this education. Nope especially because education is so big in the dentistry community, which I also did not realize until you started talking about that. I do have a question going back to your initial passions and interests of working with children. And we talked about it a little bit, how it is different than what you probably imagined working with children as a pediatric dentist. Could you talk a little bit about how it is able to fulfill your passions that you had, where you're able to connect with children in the way that you wanted to as a career i I think i still try to connect with them so i know the dental part when we're actually doing the procedure is different yeah Uh, and it's not at all what i kind of wanted to see in my life where you know you have a scared child crying child uh screaming anxious you know complete breakdown um but at the end of the day that's a small to medium components of my career there's still the other days the other patients the other times of the appointment that go really well and that remind me why I want to work with kids you know I get to be goofy I get to act like a child I get to focus on which sticker we're going to give them out rather which toy we're going to choose from the treasure box that stuff I can't do working with adults so yes I can still do the dentistry while working with adults I just can't have that fun and that you know um, good feeling of having a child overcome something or just have a good visit or just be happy to see me Mm -hmm. And I imagine because you are so connected to kids and you've developed all these communication strategies with kids, I imagine that you are able to help them with their fears of, you know, the fear of the dentist and or going in for a surgery, whatever it may be that they're coming in for that they feel anxiety about. I imagine that you're able to help them feel comfortable too, which maybe somebody who doesn't really have a passion working for kids, they're not really able to do that in a way that you might be able to. I think most pediatric dentists end up surviving in the long run doing this as a career is because of that passion. So Mm -hmm. if you don't have that passion from the beginning, it's a, it's a pretty bad life. Um, you know, you're, you're stressed out majority of the procedure or the day. Um, you don't really get paid as well as, you know, some of the other specialties. Um, but if you don't have that passion, then it's all negatives, right? So for me, having that passion and other pediatric dentists having that passion, it's like that challenge. How can I get this child to have a good visit or overcome this fear? Or over, And you try different things. And over the years, you just learn. And the satisfaction you get at the end of the appointment by getting that done or having the child leave a little bit happier or wanting to come back is the best feeling in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So I think having that passion is what gives me that best feeling in the world. Well, I have my last question for yeah. you which is what are your hopes for your future career development and what do you hope to achieve? Uh, That's a tough one. I mean, I still, I want to keep practicing, that's for sure, because I do like seeing patients. I do like providing that healthcare um, modality for them in terms of dentistry and just getting, you know, the random text after a surgery saying, oh my God, the infection went down or the pain went away or he can eat again. You know, it's, it's a good feeling that I don't want to get rid of. So I'm definitely going to always be practicing in the clinic. Uh, I do want to educate in one way or another. So whether it's through training new dentists again or training dentists in general, I do do webinars for dentists right now. So that's kind of already I'm pursuing that education aspect. I want to educate 
educate patients and parents about dental care so that I'm trying to do through social media um, and I would love to again just have more programs developed in the community for oral health care especially accessible to young parents I could kind of get a sense just from everything that we were talking about throughout your whole career that there's so much for you to do moving forward yeah. and there's so many different ways that you can help people so I'm not surprised hearing that those are your goals there's so much for your future that you can do well, I really appreciate you coming on because I learned so much and I really appreciate being able to shed light on the dentistry career and what being a dentist means because people have these ideas and there's so much more to it beyond just being in a clinic and, and seeing patients. So thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much to Dr. Nick Sharma for coming on Meant to Be. This conversation was so insightful. From learning about all the different specializations of dentistry to the three main career paths, but what I loved hearing the most was Nick's passion for diversifying his skill set and constantly evolving, yet prioritizing balance and mental health in a field that can be very stressful. So I hope you found this conversation helpful no matter where you currently are in your career journey. This episode wraps our second season of Meant to Be. It has been such an amazing second season. We have had such a diverse range of professionals who provided such valuable insight on their fields. I'm so grateful for our guests who took the time to come on the podcast to share their knowledge and give advice. I learned so much and I hope that these conversations have helped you with your career journey. In the episode description, you can find Nick's social media links to connect with him further. We plan to be back by the end of the summer for season three. We can't wait to connect with you all again. In the meantime, follow us on at Ment Projects on all social media platforms for updates and more mentorship resources. Thank you so much for listening.